Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Joe Tambo. Joe, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolute pleasure, man. And um, for everybody listening, Joe is one of the co-founders of a Melbourne-based uh, hype sneaker company um, called Athletican, which I'm sure a lot of you have already heard of before. And um, I'm looking forward to our chat today, Joe. I mean, you and I talk all the time, but it'd be good for the audience to hear a bit about how it all started and what goes on behind the scenes and I guess what you what you guys are hoping for in the future with Athletican. For sure. Yeah, thanks again for having me, DK. I'm sure, yeah, as you said, a lot of your followers have been across Athletic into the last three years. I think you were, you know, one of the first ambassadors slash influencers we used. So yeah, uh, that that was the other thing because I want to um, keep keep the episode today a bit of a, a bit of a mix between everyone kind of understanding, like I said, like I guess a story behind Athletic, but then also I want you, I want to ask you a few things about actual e-commerce and how you guys go about. Um, business and for those that are listening that are you know in the e-commerce world that they can you know take some things away from today as well and start implementing it with their own physical products obviously they're probably not doing sneakers but um, I mean I'm I'm assuming a lot of it kind of correlates across all all industries really for sure I'll I'll take it back to the start like you mentioned Um, but yeah I think you know we're definitely um, out our marketing model and our business model is all about hype. So I'd love to, you know, um, get the listeners across what it's like to run a hype marketing campaign, hype drops, um, and talk about our lean business model that we operate with. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah, well, to start that off then maybe, yeah, I'll get you to, to take it all the way back. You mentioned before about, you know, we, we were in touch, um, before the, the first launch and, um, there's a pretty, Pretty fucking funny story about that as well. <laughs> For sure. About my brother. Um, um, but I mean, yeah. So, so where did the idea originate from? What was the, I guess, the target market, like the audience and, and how, like, what were those initial stages and, and did you expect it to kind of turn into to what it is now? Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy, man. Pretty just crazy story in general. So, yeah, I was working um, in marketing at the Grand Prix. Yep. Um, obviously working on two pretty world-class events, which was the um, Formula One and MotoGP. Mm-hmm. Um, my business partner, Robbie, um, was the founder of Uncle Jack Watches, which I'm sure your listeners would be across as well. We were just having a coffee. We actually um, both, we met whilst doing internships while at uni um, on another brand called Concave. Um, anyway, we'd catch up regularly and, he just said, mate, I think there's a gap in the market for a sneaker label. There was not really a sneaker label in Australia, e-com focused, using influencers to push, you know, hype runs, athleisure yeah. being limited runs, athleisure being at the forefront, obviously such a booming trend, active mm. wear. Um, so, yeah, we saw a gap in the market to create, a, you know, a limited release sneaker um yep. you know dropping limited runs creating hype behind the limited runs obviously with the angle being an aussie brand there wasn't anyone else in that space um don't get me wrong when we did pull a trigger and you know you you get a container of 500 shoes rocking up 
to the warehouse at that stage, yeah, you know, we're like, fuck, where are these 500 shoes going? Um, <laughs> and that, and you know, thankfully three years later, we've, you know, it's funny, you look back and you go, started with 500, we've now in three years moved over something like 20,000 pairs. So it's been, a, yeah, it's been an insane growth, and <laughs> rapid growth and, yep. you know, very thankful that we're here now, but yeah, it was crazy at the start um, to where it is now and, and just how we've built um, from day one to now. So basically at the start, 500 shoes roll up. Obviously we both had marketing backgrounds, but how do you move 500 mm. shoes when no one knows about you? Yeah. Um, so it was that's then a, a that's, um, that's That's something that I think is, um, is quite interesting. And, you know, obviously we, we had a, a chat the other day, Danielle and I are working on something together at the moment. And, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's it, the thing that I, I was uh, kind of so intrigued in is like, yeah, you've got all this idea and you've got this product, which you think is really great, but, at, yeah. but currently no one has fucking any idea of who, who you are, what the product is, or you have, they have no reason to, to buy it. So what, like, yeah, how does that, how did you guys go about that in terms of getting it in front of people and making sure that, that people know about the product and want to buy it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, as I touched on, Robbie comes from an econ background marketing background so did i it was then about how do we get this out to the masses um and obviously like any startup you know you want to keep money close to your chest you've already invested in you know setting up the company and the business yeah. like we've touched on you've invested in stock in our case our minimum order was 500 so okay. you've got 500 shoes come in how do you move them so um we went for and like i said to you the other day we were so the, we got our original waiting list from PR. So we had, um, you know, the age, the Herald Sun, boss hunting, all those big editorials right about us before we'd even launched. So yeah, I sent out a press release, um, to all the media outlets, just outlining who we were. So an Australian sneaker label, there was no one else in that space. Our first drops only got, um, you know, 500 shoes. We'd already had an existing waiting list that um, we'd been building for about a year before, just via socials. Um, a waiting and, so twelve months in advance before the first launch. Uh, yeah, it was probably not twelve. It was probably, yeah, it was sort of that three to six where we just started posting like pretty generic socials. There's an Australian sneaker label coming. Okay, cool. Sign up for sign up for access. So. Yeah. We sort of had a we had a waiting list already of people. They didn't even know what the shoe looked like, but just mm. intrigued as to what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we we got the PR and we had all those huge media outlets write about us. And then we mm. had thousands on the waiting list before we'd even released our first drop, which was insane. Yeah. Um, and crazy that we'd automatically had people know about us before we'd we'd released our first product. Um, we use that with a mix of influencers. So reaching out yep. to people such as yourself, um, and, and fitness influencers. And, um, we used a mix of sports people as well in Australia. Yeah. Obviously in that target market, obviously athleisure. So gym fitness was the key angle. Um, so I think about 10% of our products um, went out to influencers to start. Obviously, okay. with less money being spent on advertising, it was about getting that organic reach using influencers. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, we use that mix of influencers to really push out the product um, as well as that PR that we got, which I cannot stress enough was so important in our first release, having the general public see from mass media who we were telling our story. And the story was we were that, you know, first Australian sneak label with limited drops. So a mix of that and the first release sold out on the night. Um, Unreal. Again, crazy. So, um, yeah, that was a, a huge win, monumental. Um, and then obviously you're going from, you know, not selling one product to selling close to 500 in a night. You then have to use that momentum to build into the second and third and so on. So we got off to a really good start. And then that, yeah, that built momentum into the second release. More people knew about us. I think we got picked up um, from another um, editorial who wrote about us going to the second one. Cool. Other influencers saw, other influencers post about it. We had people reach out. So yeah, it just, it was that organic, um, organic rise from there and a good marketing mix, which really held us in good stead for that first release. For those that are going for the, the, the limited release drop like you guys do or like yep. what in particular you were doing at the start, how yep. important is the gap in between the first and second one? So like if you do a big launch and you sell out and there's a lot of hype, yep. how, long is, how long is too long to wait until the next one to, to the point where it kind of dies off a bit? And how long did you yeah. guys wait? I think for our first one, we had our first release in June um, and then our second release um, from memory was in the September. So it was about a three-month wait. Um, yeah. And in that, in that time, we were able to, again, reach out to more influencers, have a bit more money to spend on ads, yeah. um, learn from our mistakes from the first release, and then just um, you know, mold it all together and, and build hype leading mm. into the the second release. And then obviously with Athletic and um, you guys kind of kept it to the one product and particularly like the one color initially, and then each launch was kind of launching a certain color. Do you reckon yep. that's important for a new or any, any e-commerce business, but particularly a new e-commerce business to try and put out one product and do that exceptionally well first, instead of trying to have like a full range of, say for example, it's, what it, say if you had like four different styles of shoes, do you reckon that becomes a lot harder than once you're trying to promote a bunch of different shit? Yeah, for sure. I think like we spoke about, you know, the beauty of our first campaign and basically every campaign we've done since, I think we've, we're probably closing in on 50 different launches um, mm. now. And every time, bar one, we've only released one shoe at a time. Much yeah. easier on your socials to have a story. So um for example you you know we're releasing the fluoro blue kicks which are next to you on yeah monday um so it'll be tonight for those who are listening tonight, when it comes out today it'll be tonight or it'll be yeah. fucking ages ago if you're listening to this way after <laughs> that's right so um yeah so we've got a basically a campaign sweet spot for us is anywhere from sort of seven to 14 days we find that anything after anything longer than 14 days, it loses its like just hype. hype. So yeah. you post that first image. You don't want to be posting 20, 20 of the same image before it launches because people have seen it too many times. It almost loses in, they almost lose interest. Yeah. So we've found that over time and what our analytics tell us is that that sort of seven to 14 day limit is a good one. So it's a, Hey, here's our brand new release. That'll, you'll also go out to your, um, 
your database via email or via socials. And then it's basically just driving signups um, with the blue ones, you know, or our limited edition releases, we might be dropping 300. All of a sudden you've got a waiting list of a thousand. So you're creating that hype. There's only, you know, 300 pairs available. You've got a thousand on the waiting list. You're going to have to be quick. You're going to have to be quick. Mm -hmm. You hit them up via email, socials, SMS, um, influencers. It's so in your face that if they've got, you know, any interest in the product, they're getting hit up that many times. Mm. And yeah, you really, you're really pushing that. Um, that, that, kind of, that kind of correlates, I reckon, a lot, not even just with products too. Like I try and do the same with my content, such as this yeah. podcast and, you know, daily emails and Instagram, fucking every, like try and get across in front of people that often that when it comes to time when they need to make a decision about what, you know, for, for you guys, they want to shoe, you're, yeah. you have to be the first person they think of because they've seen your shit so many times. Yeah. And I think, and I think like um, we said, and I sort of um, went on a bit of a different path there, but like we just said, if you're doing that with one product, it's so much easier to get in their face, especially with when you're releasing, you know, want to really sell through a lot of product in a quick amount of time to just have the one product in their face over yeah. a seven to 14 day period. Like mm -hmm. we said before, if you're releasing 15 different products, let's say, Hey, yes, you might be releasing a collection, but it's a lot harder to have in that short amount of time all those products in your face at one time. So we've found that, um, you know, we, we sometimes do or usually do two releases a month yep. um, and, and that's a real sweet spot for us. Two a month. So, so you were saying before about how you, you look at about seven to 14 day hype for a, for a launch or a release. So yep. basically if it's a, obviously like assuming like a four week month, so you're pretty much finishing one launch and then starting the next launch almost instantly. Oh, the next, yep. the next hype for the, the next launch instantly. Yeah, that's right. So it's a, you know, it's a pretty crazy, um, every month's pretty crazy because you're so fallen in terms of hype campaigns into launch, getting yeah. ads set up having your influencer list ready, who you're going to hit up, who you want to promote the product. Um, there's a lot that goes into those marketing campaigns. Mm. Um, and yeah, we're, we're mapped out now, um, you know, 12 to 18 months in advance of what's getting released because you have to constantly be ahead. Yeah. Um, because otherwise you're doing things ad hoc um, and being yeah. ad hoc can, can turn into mistakes and like any... You lose a lot of control. That's right. And like any small biz, like, you know, um, and startup, especially, you know, you're, you're privy to making mistakes. So you just want to eliminate as many mistakes as possible. Yeah. Now this might, might not be something that you, uh, you're willing to say on the podcast or whatever. So if it's not, then feel free to not answer, but you know, in terms of costs of a launch, when, when you include the stock, include the, the, um, paid advertising, yeah, you know, hours that yourself and Robbie or whoever else is part of the staff that are working on the launch. Launch one compared to how much it's costing you to do a launch now for the same quantity yeah. of shoes. Like, what what's uh what type of price are we looking at? Because I think a lot of the time, people like have like no thought to that. I yeah, know, I, yeah. I know I didn't until you know, like I said, starting to go down the the, the path now of of launching something with e commerce, 
And then you start yeah. to realize that there's just a, a absolute shitload of costs and, and the costs are probably a lot more than what you expected. So yeah, what, what does that look like from the first launch compared to what it would be now? I think um, without putting an exact number on it, because they do vary. Yeah. I think it's about, um, like we spoke about that, getting that marketing mix right. The product cost is variable based on what you're ordering. Yeah. And like, for example, with our manufacturer now, because I've built a relationship and a rapport and, you know, we've worked with them for years now, mm. you can get your minimum order quantities down. So okay. instead of having to invest in so much stock, you get your minimum order down. And if you're running a product-based business or econ biz, you know that's number one, your order quantities. Um, in terms of advertising, if you're spending money on um, influencers or ambassadors, you want to make sure you're spending money on the right ones because otherwise your return on ad spend is lower, which, you know, there's money lost there. Money, yeah. That's right. So there's all these things. Um, and the biggest mistake you can make is not learning from a previous mistake. Um, so, you know, if you've made a mistake and you've lost money, make, you know, take that in because it's a lesson and learn from that for the next one. So you don't make that mistake again. Yeah. So after every campaign, cause we are such a campaign based, um, biz. Sorry, man. Um, it's the media yeah, calling up. Sure you don't, yeah, exactly. You don't make that mistake again. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned mistakes just then. So is there any big, um, I don't know, there's probably been a few, but is there any kind of like big mistakes or big, I'm not going to say failures, but kind of challenges that you guys have had since starting um, that you have been able to learn from that probably in hindsight, you, you wish you had have done something a little differently earlier on. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, return on ad spend is a massive one. You should look back at every campaign or everything you've launched and go, okay, where have we spent money here? Where could have we um, saved money? Where could have we spent more money, which would have generated more sales? Um, there's the stuff of at the start, you know, especially at the startup stage, which we spoke about just the other day, you go, oh, should I spend that more money here to have this registered or that protected? Or do I invest that little bit more here or there? Which In terms know, of trademarks and stuff. Trademarks and stuff. Yeah. Like we've, yeah. Yeah, we talked about like, it the other way. Yeah. Time, we've, yeah, we've had a bit of, you know, you, you might get some legal letters or something and you, you know, <laughs> you scratch your head and, you know, you, you wish you did things at the start. So I think it's just, um, you learn as you go, but like, yeah, I must stress with us. It's just been a matter of learning from a mistake and just not making it again. Um, cause in any small biz, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from it. And I think mm -hmm. it's just a matter of, um, yeah, just not making that mistake again. Cause it can shoot you in the foot. Yeah. In, uh, in terms of um, Athletican, have you guys had outside investors come in? Um, we've had, we've had, um, no, we've been all self-funded. Yeah. Um, and is that something for someone's, is that like when you guys first looked at it, was that a, a discussion? And is that like, what's your advice in, in that regard? Like depending, it probably depends on what type of business you're looking to launch, I guess, but yeah. would you, would you recommend trying to be basically self-funded for as long as possible? If that's think, an option or? Yeah, if it's an option, I think, you know, for us, it wasn't even a question because obviously if you're self-funded, you're self-made mm. and, and things are a lot, a lot easier. And I think, um, you know, 
like we've spoken about, I think when you're starting or if you're looking to start a brand, like for us, collaborations have been such a, yeah. a massive, massive winner mm-hmm. and having like faces of the company. So I don't know. Um, so like to the audience listening today, well, you know, we've had a lot of, um, we've done a lot of collaborations, e.g. like a Nike Jordan shoe, you know, our first collaboration was with Will Sparks, who obviously you train. Yeah. Um, and obviously Will's black legend and, you know, has so many followers, but we um, like, yeah, when we did that shoe with Will and having a face to the brand that made sense. So like Will ticked all yeah. the boxes, Melbourne based, huge following, cult following. You can't yeah. under, underestimate that cult following. He's got diehard fans, um, you know, loves the gym. So for us and DJ, for us, um, you know, his audience is a similar demographic to us, loves the gym, we're athleisure, Melbourne-based, we were Melbourne-based. That collaboration, like, just made total sense. Ticked all the boxes, um, yeah. Ticked all the boxes. And having that collaboration and him bringing out his own Will Sparks, ex-athletic and sneaker, I think we had 2,500 sign-ups for the first release. We only had 400 shoes, so you can imagine the hype behind mm. that. We had pedestrian right about it. Those shoes sold out in, like, 14 minutes um or something crazy and my point with that is i think the only if you're looking for an investor or you're looking for someone to be the face of a company or you want to give um you know some equity in your new business to someone maybe it's having a face because if you don't have a story and you have a face they're the ones that can generate um that pr and that automatic interest and following in your brand yeah right that would be yeah yeah that makes sense with in terms of like obviously the difference in between the difference between the business in terms of the you know you're following the customer base and you know even like quality of shoes and the amount you pump the volume you're pumping out now from the start compared to now is is obviously night and day so um do you guys have like i guess benchmarks or like kind of like a a bit of a checklist that you that you check off to when you get to a point where you want to like increase things whether that's you know bringing on staff whether that's um you know looking at like i don't know like putting more money into the business where you're trying to like level up is there is there certain benchmarks that you meet and then once you reach that you kind of go all right what's our next step to kind of increase this and and build it even bigger for sure so um you know we've got a i think any small business you know should have a cash flow and it's important to build that cash flow out 12 months basically revenue minus expenses yeah <laughs> yep. you know that's what a cash flow is in cash at bank because as soon as you've got a cash flow you then know oh cool we've sold 500 shoes this month but hey we just spent let's just call it i don't know 50 grand so you're not actually making there's no money being made so having a cash flow and having your rev minus expenses as simple as it sounds you need that and that needs to be projected out 12 months to know what your bottom line looks like, what your cash or bank looks like. Um, for us, you know, we're, as I said, we're working, you know, you've obviously got strategic plans up to sort of three to five years where you want to be. Yeah. You've also got your day to day and your monthly cash flow. How many for us, how many shoes we need to sell a month? What's launching that month? Um, when we're ordering stock because stock's such an expensive um, thing, um, you know, with us, like I think I mentioned to you, we've got um, a 3PL now. 
Yeah. Um, those that don't know, 3PL is a third-party logistics company which basically pick and pack our orders. So we're in our office um, on Ligon Street. We've got Robbie and I looking after marketing. We've got um, Matt and Matt, who um, who you know as well, Matt Harrow, who's been on board basically since day one. Yeah. Um, he's our shoe designer and content creator, absolute whiz. Um, mm. We got Ryan on board, who's our graphic designer, and I also work with a business coach weekly, David Torbman, best in the biz in Melbourne, I reckon, because um, I catch up with him weekly, and it's so good to have that outside voice mm. um, who really helps with strategy and cash flow and, and really pushes you and holds yourself accountable. And I highly recommend um, if you are in a startup or have your own business, having that outside voice that's not in the business because, um, yeah, they look at things through a different lens and, yeah, he's, he's really helped me as well. Awesome. We, um, what I was going to ask, and this kind of goes back a few, a few steps, probably should have asked you at the start, but fuck it, I'll ask it yeah. now. Um, how important is it to, to know exactly who your audience is? I mean, obviously you would just fucking love for everybody to come and buy a pair of Athleticans and for everybody to, to want your shoes, but you can't yeah. market to everybody all the time. So how, how important do you think it is to be able to niche down and decide exactly who you want to target to? And then even if that means, cause you know, I think um, I reckon a lot of business owners would probably feel the same way. Like oh, I definitely did when I was trying to niche down to, decide exactly who I want my content to be for because you go, Oh, I want, you know, like I was thinking I want my content to, to relate a lot to this kind of group of people. But then yeah. I, I almost also have a thought going like, oh, but I know I can still help these people as well in some way or another, but I'm kind of like pushing them aside to focus on these guys. So how important is it to yeah. figure out your, your target audience? Very important. <laughs> I think, um, right, I next think, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just wipe that one away. Yeah. I think um, you know your audience, especially now that we've been you know doing this for three years or just over three years. Your audience um, tells you what they want and what they like, um, yeah. and I think when you go through your social grid, similarly to you, DK, or what content you put out your audience will respond in a way that tells you what they like or what they want. Yeah. Um, and for us, like um, our brighter colored shoes, our audience want that. So you've got to feed them that. And, you yeah. know, we... Um, is that something you're doing from... Is that, is that um, information you're taking from comments on socials? Is it surveys? Is it... Yeah. Um, word of mouth, like what, where, how you get in that feedback? Yeah, I think it's a, uh, there's a number of things, you know, there's the sales analytics. So the sales oh, yeah. are strong. Yeah, yeah. Our waiting list numbers are strong. The um, analytics on our socials in terms of likes and comments and engagement are strong. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to, for us, like we know that not, not everyone is going to wear a bright colored pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah. But so we're still obviously going to have, release our more neutral tones and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yep. But our audience is also so strongly focused on those brighter colors right now. And they love that. So you can't neglect what your audience wants. Um, and I think 
some business owners or, or small business a mistake you could make is being in your own head, being like, hey, I want to do this, but your audience isn't responding to that. Mm-hmm. So you need, to, you need to identify what it is that your audience is telling you and what they're liking and catering um, to that. Yeah. And then obviously still, um, you know, still releasing and still putting out products that um, cater to everyone. I think our demographic, you know, we do, it's easier for a product-based um, company to go through analytics and go, hey, where's our audience from? What's their age demographic? What does their profile look like? Yeah. Whether it's for you, how do you sort of pick up on your audience and, I don't and those sort of things? Before I answer that, another question I've got for you on that topic though is like, do you, I mean, I don't know if it's like that, if this is similar with like a physical product, but do you kind of have to detach yourself from like what you kind of are emotionally attached to? So say for example, you fucking love this shoe yeah, and you're just like, this is going to do so well, but then the feedback's not great. And then you've then kind of got to go, you just kind of got to accept it and move on and and focus on what they want and stop trying to push the same thing. 100, like a hundred percent. (laughs) <laughs> like literally sometimes you might think and i'm sure people listening today who have their own business or their own startup you think you're producing gold mm. and then your audience tells you otherwise so yeah. and that's why it's so important to listen and engage and look through your social grid look through your analytics and constantly analyze that because your audience does tell you what they like and don't mm. like and you've got to you know you've really got to cater for that yeah i because I, I this is what i um not struggled with but what it took too long to figure out early on is because when i first started as a pt and it was this applied for in person and online i was just trying to cater to everyone so like if someone wanted to do a bit of boxing training we'd do boxing if they wanted to do a circuit we'd do circuit if they wanted to lift weights we'd lift weights but the whole time i knew that my best service was offering you know resistance and strength training and then high intensity interval training and and kind of also obviously teaching people about nutrition and and long-term sustainability so it wasn't until I then kind of just said, all right, from now on, if, if I get a potential client who wants to do this, but that's not what I want to do for the hour, even though that's potential money that I could make from now on, I'm going to say no and refer them to someone that I know is good in that field. Same yeah. with my, same with my content. Like I look at my analytics now and um, you know, majority of my, my target or majority of my audience is female, which obviously has a yeah. bit to do with the stuff with keep it cleaner. And then obviously a lot of the clientele that I train are females. So the content I put out now is, is more focused on females. Obviously I still love working with, with, um, with males as well and athletes and that type of stuff that I have a passion for. But if my yeah. constant, all of my content is around say professional athletes, even though I enjoy working with them, mm. majority of my audience is not, are not professional athletes. So I'm kind of like pushing uphill like i'm not not i'm kind of going against what what is right in front of me so yeah now i building you know building out female courses all that type of stuff and and try and target the the content towards what the audience actually wants and that and that comes with you know even looking at the downloads on these these um podcasts or the engagement on certain um social media posts or just doing surveys and stuff like that you you can figure it out pretty quickly but I, i reckon initially that was my problem is i was too i knew I kind of like didn't, I saw that I could potentially help a group of people over here or a few groups of people over here. But even though I knew over here was like the main area that I wanted to, to focus on. So you kind of got to let go of that and, and then put all your eggs in, into that basket. Because the thing is, if someone searches up my name mm-hmm. and I just help fucking everyone 
and a bunch of different people, but they want help with, you know, strength and resistance training in Melbourne. If they search strength and resistance training in Melbourne, then ideally my name's going to be the one that comes up because that's what all of my content is around. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. And like, you know, even with us, like, you know, our indirect competitors are Nike and Adidas and these huge global brands. And even yeah. before we started, you know, but we, we saw an angle to be the boutique alternative limited run. So, yeah. you know, hype. So when people come to our socials or our grid and you go through and you look at it and athleisure, you go through and you see the hype with the imagery. Um, I think you do a great job of it too. Your graphic design work on your EDMs and stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of small businesses sometimes neglect um, the EDM storytelling. Yeah. Um, where I think like graphic design, that's where you can't just have a social presence and a website presence and then not have it via EDM because that's where your database receives comms where you can tell your story yeah. more and more. My two most engaging know. platforms is definitely this and the emails. Yeah. Like emails for, sure. for me is, is, is like one of the, is probably the most, probably the most important really because I mean, in the end of the day, yeah. if, if Instagram crashes tomorrow, if for some reason podcast crashes, like all of a sudden you have no audience. Exactly. And you have to constantly build what we've spoken about, you know, all the time building your email database is so important because that's where, you know, those leads and that, and that audience is your audience. So, yeah. um, um, before we wrap things up, brother, um, obviously we touched on before the next release. So, um, along with the, the fluoro blue that's coming out, which for those that are watching, you can see it here. If you're not watching it, then. Just imagine it. it's a sexy looking shoe. It's a blue, sexy looking shoe. Um, what what's next for Athletic and like? Well, you guys got any big plans or what's the the next kind of twelve months look like for you guys? Yeah, um, obviously, just much the same in terms of releases. Um, yeah. Two releases a month, new styles, um, moving into apparel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you've got some on, obviously. Um, yeah. So. Exciting nice. times with that. Very nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, heaps of shoe releases, new sneaker releases, um, more collabs. I know we touched on cool. before the collab with Will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, collaborations are such an important part of our business and, you know, using, and I, I can't stress enough, if you've got a product-based business, you should look at um, doing as many collaborations as you can because you're reaching a whole new audience you and they turn into your customers too. And you relate, you're reaching such a broad audience with collabs. Um, so we've done yeah. clubs with um, a lot of UFC stars who have, you know, millions of followers. So yeah, more collabs. Yeah. More collabs, shoe releases, new sneaker styles, apparel. So heaps going on in the next 12 months. Unreal. And um, you were kind enough to, to offer the listeners. I think we'll, we'll run this for the next week. So this will, this will last for a week. Um, for those that are watching or if you've seen on socials, the blue shoe or um, I guess any other shoes that are in stock at the moment on the site, if you use the code DK15, you'll get 15% off um, your next purchase. So make sure you go and use that. Um, hopefully you're on the VIP list for the launch tonight if you're listening on the Monday. But Joe, thanks for, for joining us today, man. That was good. Thanks for having me. I hope the listeners got some stuff out of it. 100%. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you've taken some value from today's episode, please do take a screenshot of this um, and post it up on your story for me. Tag myself, tag Athletican. I'll also have Joe's 
uh, social handles in the show notes as well. Um, again, thanks for joining us, man, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, mate.